0: Yeah, I mean, you can never write off Tiger, right? People have tried to do that for the last five, eight years now, and that hasn't worked out for those people that wrote him off. Is it a tall task? Sure. He's 48 years old, obviously a ton of injuries. I do know he's a lot healthier than he was, say, six months ago. Uh, So never say never. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I wouldn't be surprised or shocked either Mm -hmm. if he won another one and maybe got to 18. I don't know.
1: Him in our first guest to start season two of Quiet Please, Joe LaCava, caddy for Patrick Cantley, number five ranked player in the world. Joe, thanks for joining me.
0: John, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, it's always good to talk to you. We've uh, done this a couple of years ago. I've always enjoyed walking the golf course with you, running to you. We've been in the group, same group a couple of times over the years and stuff. So, um, so just so people know, I said you're with Patrick now, but then obviously had a nice run with Tiger. Uh, there for a while and then before that uh your boy freddie couples so uh you know you've been i was doing some calculations i feel like you've been at this for like five decades now am i right in saying that
0: (laughs) it's a long time john whatever it is uh it's funny because tommy Fleetwood, we were paired with him last week and he asked me the same thing and i said i don't even know if i I don't even know if you were born when i started tommy but (laughs) yeah, yeah i got started back in 1987 uh you know like you just mentioned fortunate to work for you know, not only great players, but great guys, you know, throughout my entire career. So feel very fortunate. Been doing it a long time. You know, I just love it. So that's why I'm still at it.
1: Yeah. I was gonna ask you kinda like when you look back on that, what feeling comes to mind? And it sounds like just fortunate and, and I'm sure when you started and who did you start with before Freddie? Like who who was that first bag? You know, my
0: very first bag was Ken Green. Okay. in 1987 we had a three-year run and he played very well he actually made a Ryder Cup team and won three times in those three years so like I said may not be a name everyone knows but he had a nice career won five times total uh so again just you know just in a fortunate spot to work for a lot of great players
1: and so then when you maybe look back on that and then now here we are what's your what's your philosophy on caddying Ben, if there is one
0: You know, for me, uh, you know, I always tell everybody for me, it's just like any other job, probably just you know, work your butt off, work as hard as you can. Um, And, you know, the caddy part, you know, is is gotten easier because the books are certainly more detailed. Uh, You don't have to do quite as much as work as when we talked about back in the so-called day. Uh, But my philosophy is like, you know, always be positive, you know, work as hard as you possibly can and just be nice to everyone. And Mm -hmm. I think so far that's worked out pretty well for me.
1: I say so, too. So then, but one of the components of that that, you know, you know, isn't in the book, that comes with time, that some people have and some people don't, is this ability to perform in these pressure moments. And obviously, the golfers are hitting the shots, but we're right there alongside with them. And, you know, there's an art to that. Uh, how, how do you approach those pressure moments?
0: You know, I, I kind of thrive on them because I think that's why we're all out here. You know, you want your guy to succeed, and I get it. You know, like you said, and we're never hitting a shot, but you are a part of it. You know, there's 150 guys to start, so, you know, it's tough to only have one winner. You know what I mean? That kind of a thing. So, you're not, you are know, I consider, you know, top five or top ten as a really good week regardless, but ultimately you want to win. Um, but, you know, again, I'm fortunate to work for a lot of great players who are very good players and very good players in the clutch. But I also feel like, you know, when that heat is on and when the, when the moment's big, you know i get so jacked up you feel like you rise to the occasion just like your player does you know you got to stay calm a little bit because your player may get a little nervous and vice versa A quick funny story is i actually you know in 2019 when tiger won the masters and we had a little bit of a weight on 15. you know i was kind of I, I i was trying to stay calm because now we're starting to feel it you know brooks has got a putt down there which i actually thought was for birdie because he hit it so close but it was actually for eagle um and you know that's not a fun spot to be sitting around waiting when you got a five iron in your hand you know on a a tight lie you know over watered you know long is not great either um fortunately tiger had a pretty good yardage and he's been there and done that you know he's won four before that so um he i think at that moment he was a little calmer than i was i was kind of circling the wagons as we say just kind of you know there's nothing to do Well, i mean what are you supposed to say to your guy i mean we, we had a little conversation trying to keep it light but you know it's a tough shot and a big shot um so i found in that particular instance, I was, I don't want to use the word nervous, but I was anxious. You know, I want—I I wanted to get the shot over with. You feel like that's the last shot that, you know, you can find trouble. Like I said, you catch a little heavies in the water, you catch a little thinness over the green. And with that back left pin, it's not fun from anywhere, but on the green. Um, but, you know, to Tiger's credit, he had a great shot about 35 feet right of the hole and made an easy two putt.
1: that's funny you say and then you're right that is like one of the hardest shots in golf and I I've had a chance to K there one time and I remember uh with John Merrick and we had kind of the shot on 13 a couple holes before the hanging line we're in between right, clubs right. and stuff and and that was my first time that i'd been there and i remember after the fact we were with jeff ogilvy squirrel his longtime caddy and, and he kind of was giving me some crap afterwards he's like i could tell you were a little bit nervous there and i was like you're right dude i was you know like that's that's not easy stuff but um you you get through it and and, and you hope that it turns out well um right I want to I ask you a little bit then about Patrick, because that's who you're with right now. How did arranging that job happen? Because I think that for a lot of people, there was some talk about that. Like, you were kind of with Tiger, but Tiger wasn't playing, and then, you know, Patrick opened up. How did that all go down?
0: Yes, one of those things where you know, Tiger been telling me for a couple of years now, kind of like Fred did at the end of his career, you know, listen, I don't know how much I'm going to play, when I'm going to play, how often awesome I'm going to play. You know, if you can find something out there that you want to do or work for someone else that's going to play full-time, have at it. You know, I didn't do that. I was, I was content and happy working for Tiger. He was treating me very well. Um, you know, but in the back of my mind, after a couple of years of just kind of not doing a whole lot, I kind of wanted to get back in the game. I realized how much I missed it. You know, I enjoyed being home, getting stuff done around the house, spending time with the family. We all get that. But you can only do that for so long. Um, so I wasn't seeking anything out. But then, you know, Patrick approached me and said, you know, would you be interested in canning for me full time on the tour? And at the time, like I said, it kind of caught me by surprise because no one had been calling or or looking. Um, And I said to myself, you know, probably this is my opportunity. I mean, there's only Mm -hmm. so many bags out there. He's a good, young, healthy player. Um, You know, so it was a tough decision to make because, you know, like I said, my loyalty was with Tiger because he treated me so well for eight or 10 years previous Uh, But at the same time, I knew in the back of my mind, this was going to make me happiest by working again full time. So that's kind of how it went down.
1: Sure. It makes sense. And I mean, obviously Patrick's a great player and has a lot of experience now. So it's like, that's a nice one to hop onto. Um, You guys, you guys have yet to notch a win. It's coming. Um, You know, I don't think there's been more than 15 tournaments together so far. Um, What's impressed you about his game now that you've been on the bag?
0: You know, he drives it great. You know, he drives it straight. Um, He may not be the longest guy out there, but he drives it very, very well. Um, So he's got a great combination of length, not super long, but length and accuracy, first things first. Um, He pitches the ball great. Um, Obviously, he can roll it, like you said. Um, Same thing, he's not afraid of the moment. I think he relishes the big moment. Uh, You know, he has set high goals, wants to play well, wants to win. And he hits very, very solid shots. And he can hit it both ways, which I love. He doesn't always have to draw or cut. He can hit high and low. And I've seen him hit, like you said, it's only been 10, 11 tournaments, but I've seen him hit enough shots where I know he can put, basically pull off any shot he wants. And obviously I think he's going to be very clutch in tough moments, like we talked about a minute ago. But it, it, overall, I mean, there's there's no weakness to his game. And like I said, I always start with guys that drive it well. Um, the accuracy thing is big for me, you know, hitting fairways, and he's got enough length. Um, and, you know, he's he's a fierce competitor.
1: So, so Freddie, I feel like was long, but he hit a lot of fairways. I mean, driver was a strength of his tiger get, got knocked for a little while uh, on his accuracy, but when you were working for him, do you feel like he was, he was hitting a lot more fairways
0: for sure? I think, you know, I caught tiger obviously um, a little later on in life when he maybe slowed it down a little bit. And then obviously he had the back problem. So he couldn't really swing at it. Like he probably did back in his heyday. Obviously the guy won, you know, however many tournaments, you know, kind of hitting all over the map. Uh, but when I got him, he was much more, you know, very similar to what you just got through saying, very similar to Fred the fact that he still hit it long enough. I mean, obviously, when he, he's in his 40s, so it's not going to hit him super long, but he hit it long enough and certainly hit more fairways when I had Tiger. And uh, hmm. But, you know, again, the same thing. I mean, he's a guy that somehow can get it done whether he hits it in the fairway or not, but obviously the game's a lot easier from the fairway.
1: Well, yeah, then on – I mean, I want to talk about Tiger some more later, but also just on Tiger in the trees and just creating shots. I mean, mean, maybe you have a good story or just overall just like, man, we're in jail here, and just watching him carve stuff and bend stuff and and how impressive that is.
0: You know, I got spoiled first with Fred for 20 years because there was no shot he couldn't take on. You know, he could hit a low cut and make a cut, you know, 40, 50 yards, high draw, whatever, you name it, he could do it, and he could kind of see it. And that's kind of how Fred played, a lot of feel. He would feel a shot, remember a shot that he hit back in the past, whether it was good, bad, or different from the woods or not from the woods. Um, and Tiger, the same way. There's no there's no chip out in those guys. They can feel and see a shot. You know, you asked for a quick story. I hate to keep going back to the Masters that he won, but it's always popping in my brain. But uh, in 2019, he hit it left into the trees on 14. And, you know, you can see it on TV how difficult it looks, but until you're actually in those trees, I don't think you can really appreciate what's going on. In um, both times, he had a very small window, you know, maybe a six-foot diameter, which I can see him looking up at the trees, and I know that's the route he's going. So not only do you have to hit that six-foot diameter, which is you know, maybe 40 yards in front of you, now he's trying to hit enough club to get to the green. He doesn't want to just get it out of the trees. He wants to get it on the green. Long story short, both times he pulled it off, he made a couple, you know, medium length putts and made birdie from both spots. And I tell people, you know, you can make four five and six from there. So for him to make six total, he picked up at least two or three shots on the field. And when you look back at stuff like that, um, those are the things that win you the golf tournament. You know, right. I think on Saturday the next day, he, of course, hit it in the middle of fairway and made par. And I kind of looked over and I said, you've been better off in the trees. And we kind of <laughs> laughed about that. So those guys can pull off any shot they want.
1: That's a great comment. There. I mean, that kind of shows you how you how, why you're good at what you do. But when you go back in the trees there in those two situations, just take us inside the ropes or outside the ropes there. You know, is he checking in with you? Or are you merely is he saying anything to you? Or are you merely just gauging how he's saying things and how he's looking at it? And if he looks like he's got a thing, you know, a look in his eye, you're like, hey, we're going with this no matter right. what.
0: No, you hit it right on the head. I mean, once, once those guys start looking up and they see that shot and they see the window that they have, you, you're not trying to call them off the ledge. I mean, if it looks like it's impossible, I may step in and say something. But in both cases, I knew he was a man on a mission and he was going to hit that shot regardless of what I said. And here's the other thing. You know, as a caddy, if it looks impossible or not the right move, of course you got to step in and say something. But having worked for Tiger enough to see him pull this shot off before – Now you have confidence in him. And at the same time, you don't want to go over there and say, hey, hey, Pearl, listen, you may not be able to pull this shot off. You don't want any (laughs) negative thoughts either, right? So, like I said, once I see him eyeballing up in the tree where he's going with it, I leave him alone.
1: Right, yeah. Well, uh, let's get back on Pat then a little bit. I want to talk about the Ryder Cup briefly, and I don't want to put you on the spot on anything, but I do uh, want to hear you describe what the competitive nature and emotion of those matches and that event are like.
0: You know, it's, listen, we got beat by five or six points. So to sit here and say I had a great time is kind of going to sound weird, but I had a great time. You know, it starts for me, and I'll get into the, to the golf course part of it in a minute, but it starts for me getting to know the caddies that you're working with a little bit more because you're in that setting, you're you know, out to the golf course, walking the course together, you're sharing information. So first and foremost, hanging with the caddies, hanging with their wives, hanging with my wife, everyone getting to know each other, having a good time. You always have a blast at the end of the week, and now it stinks to lose, obviously, and get our butts kicked. That's no fun, uh, but when it's all said and done, it's one of the best weeks of the year. Um, you know, Pat. Pat played pretty well. I think what hurt the U.S. team the most was the fact that I think most of them had five or six weeks off before they went in there. You know, you can only do so much at home. Um, you know, there's nothing like playing tournament golf. So yep. I think that that layoff probably hurt us a little bit. But I could see each day, at least Pat getting a little bit better and rising to the occasion over the weekend. You know, we we go down four nothing, so we're down big early on, but you never give up and to pass credit he played, you know, much better as the weekend went on. And obviously with the match on Saturday afternoon, emotions were running high. Uh but everything's good now, everything's fine. I mean, like I said, they kicked our butt and we're on to the next thing.
1: Yeah. I I remember watching it from home and I (laughs) I got up to watch it. And when I saw Victor Hovland chip in on the green on the first hole, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, like this, there, I mean, the things you see in that, you know, guys, when they're playing for themselves, you know, uh, they do amazing things and it's a little different. And then when you put them on a team and I've never done the, the team team thing, I've played in some, you know, team events where we've got a partner, but, uh, it seems like they do even greater stuff at times.
0: Yeah, no question. Like you said, I don't, I, you know, I'm working it. So I don't see the shots maybe till afterwards, or I maybe hear about it. But Like you said, the chip in from, you know, he's on the green, right. Chips it in. And it yeah. is, so I think Rom chipped in from over the green on uh, 16, I believe. So, you know, you get back to the hotel and you see some of those sounds like, man, no wonder I'll be lost. I mean, they're making everything. <laughs> um, and like you said, they're making shots. And I think there's a lot of momentum in team golf, right? So I'm not saying you're going to chip in because your guy just made a 40 foot of the hole before, but there's just something about that. The momentum in those team events is crazy. It's kind of contagious when your partner's doing well, or if you see a highlight, there was a bunch of TVs out there of another group on your team making a 25, 30 footer in a clutch moment. You know, it's just, it gets, it creates positive vibes and somehow that translates to better golf by your teammates.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Pat on the West coast. He's an LA guy. Um, You guys, Uh, Started off in Hawaii last week. You're off this week. You're in Southern California just hanging out. Um, But, you know, I'm looking at how you guys have like a dozen under your belt now. You've had a lot of success caddying on the West Coast. Pat is very familiar with the West Coast. Uh, Are you guys playing everything in California to start the the season? You know, he's he's obviously not
0: playing this week, but he's going to play the, I call it the Bob Hope, the MX next week in Palm Springs, which he's done very well at. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know, I remember the days of probably worked 18 or 20 straight of those with with Fred. So I love it out in the desert as well. It's been a while, but good memories with Fred playing there. I think he won a playoff event over Bruce Litsky back in the day. Um, and I think Pat's either going to play Torrey or Phoenix, but not both. And okay. then he's going to go up to Pebble for the signature event, and then he's going to play Genesis, every of which he loves. So, like you said, we haven't we haven't we haven't broken through yet, but I think it's coming soon. He's playing well. And like you say, he's a California guy, so he loves these events. He's had past success, so I'm hoping for the same thing this year.
1: So uh, just to bounce over to Freddie for a second, he told a great story. The Champions Tour put it out on their feed last week. I don't know. Did you catch this at all?
0: I did. not I, didn't. I was, don't get out much.
1: So, he, so he's telling this story about how the first week you're on the bag for him and at, at the Hope, and and he picks you up at your hotel or your house, wherever you're staying, and he lives there. He's like eight miles from Bermuda dunes. You guys are going to Bermuda dunes and he gets lost going to it. And he said, you were riding shotgun and you were absolutely livid at him yelling. Like, I can't believe that you are lost. You live here. What are we doing? And just like, this is your first week on the bag with this right. guy. And I knew right. you knew each other, but can you, can you could have fill in the blanks on that story a little bit more?
0: No, but no, no, it's funny. It's actually a true story. And uh, you know, I, I was dumbfounded. I mean, this is back in the day, John, as you know, 1990, you know, there's no such thing as a, as a cell phone. So you can just put it in your phone. And as you know, us traveling as caddies, we had a little, little map, you know, flying to LA and you, and you drive to Palm Springs. So there's no detailed map of Palm Springs. So I don't know the area that well either, but you know, when he volunteered to drive and pick me up, I thought, okay, he knows the area. He lives at mission Hills. How far, I mean, how hard could it be to find Bermuda dunes? Right. <laughs> And, you know, for me, I obviously don't have, you know, I don't have any tolerance for, you know, dumb things. And I don't have much patience, as my family will tell you. But to sit there shotgun with him thinking, trying to find, I'm thinking to myself, thank God it's Monday and not Wednesday. We're trying to, <laughs> to make our tea time, right? So he is driving all over the place. And that's back in the day when he actually had to stop and ask people. So from that day forward, it lasted 20 years. I never let him drive again.
1: That's amazing. You picked yeah. him up every day of his yep. career when you were catting for him
0: day and night so we would i would start the day pick them up drop them off and they said what time are you coming back for dinner and i you know if there was obviously there's seven days in every week i'd probably have dinner with them five five times a week which was great looking back i mean it was we always had fun we always watched sports on tv we had a
1: blast together that's great i love that yeah. story well and then uh one more thing on uh, swinging back to pat then it's uh you and fred you were on the bag for a couple masters with him You referenced earlier, Tiger in 2019. Pat's played well at the Masters before. Um, I said earlier, hey, I've been there. I remember uh, Jamie Mulligan, who's Patrick's coach, uh, being there with Merrick when I was there. I know Jamie's got a good feel for that place. So uh, I know you're just looking forward to next week and the Bob Hope, but you can't help but be a little bit excited about thinking about getting back to Augusta in April when you guys get there
0: you know, regardless of what you're doing or who you're working for, you look forward to that week more than probably any week, you know, on the entire calendar. Um, and like you said, I've been fortunate to work for those guys that won Augusta. Um, you know, I think Pat's obviously had some success there as well. So I'm looking forward to getting back there. I think Pat is too. I think he knows in the back of his mind, he's at that age and that time where he certainly like to win a major easier said than done. It's not easy. You got deep fields and stuff like that. And plenty of great guys playing that tournament. Um, but I, I, I think we both are looking forward to it, but like you said, first things first, let's see what we can do on the West coast. I'm looking forward to TPC as well. I think it's another great golf course for Pat. So I think there's a lot of good golf coming up for this kid.
1: For sure. All right. Well, let's move on to tiger a little bit more specifically. How did you get that job with tiger? And, and I want to hear your version and I want to tell you a little bit about how I, I tried to jump in there for a second. So you go ahead and you tell me how that job came about.
0: You know, I, I that's a great question. I don't really know. You know, I was working for Fred on the senior tour at the time, and then I switched over briefly to Dustin Johnson uh, for about six months in 2011, I believe it was. And then, you know, one day I got a call from Mark Steinberg, who's Tiger's longtime agent, and he said, I'm doing my due diligence here. You're the first call I'm making. Um, you know, Tiger asked me to get a hold of you. We know you've you know worked for Fred for 20 years, so we know you a little bit, um, and I've known Stine for a long time and uh we have you have a good gig obviously with dustin johnson right now but uh you know tiger asked me to reach out and call you so he did he called me and uh i talked to Stein. and i said yes i'm interested i mean it's tiger woods how could i not be interested Mm -hmm, right mm um and you know like i said i had a great gig going with dustin and you know he obviously became a great player and already was a great player and we had a nice six month run together but there's only one tiger woods so i couldn't i could not turn that down and i thought to myself you know if I tell Tiger, you know, can you hang on and wait another couple of months, I don't think he's going to go for that either, right? Right. Um, so I made the decision on that on that call with Stiney that day that I was, you know, I was going to accept the job that was offered to me. Yeah. And then Stiney says, okay, well, now that you're interested, you know, I, I want to pass along Tiger's number and let you talk to him. And you guys can kind of talk about it because I'm kind of out of the mix now. My job was to see if you were interested. And I talked to Tiger. I don't remember the day or the time or whatever, but it was over the weekend sometime. And uh, we had a nice 20, 30-minute call. I would say we talked two minutes about golf slash caddying. The rest of the time was family stuff about his kids, my kids. You know, we had a couple things in common. You know, both our dads were in the military, the Army. Both of our dads died kind of young of cancer. And, you know, he knew I was a competitive guy, sports guy, and stuff like that. So we had a lot of stuff in common that maybe we did know until this conversation. And I think, I don't think that helped me get the job, but the fact that we had stuff in common non-golf was great we could talk about other things and then he hired me um you know it wasn't one of those things where let's just try it out kind of thing he kind of he didn't say the job is yours either but at the same time i didn't think it was a trial thing right um and i think he appreciated the fact that you know i had dustin johnson so I'm, i'm taking a little bit of a you know not a risk but he was coming off injuries and stuff like that so uh anyways he ended up winning i think his own tournament two or three tournaments in and then from there on we were off to the races
1: yeah so i remember when you were with dj because i think i was canning for brett wetterick at the time this might have been 2011 or something and we yep. got paired with you and and i think that's who i was with the time but you know fast forward because i don't know if i'm mixing up the years or what but i was at 2013 pga championship and i was room with my buddy pepsi steve who ended up going on he was on the bag that week for keegan bradley's win i think that was 2013 I don't know if that sounds right or not but um and tiger that week had his buddy jerry chang is that his name jerry chang
0: jerry chang right
1: yeah jerry chang on the bag that week and so i'm there and i'm like and i was with kevin chapel and he was like 10th alternate in the tournament but i had a credential and i was and kevin wasn't even there so i was like i'm just gonna hang out whatever and everybody's wondering like you know who's Tiger going to hire? Who's Tiger going to hire? And, and I kind of cooked up in my head. I was like, well, I'm going to at least say hi to him. So I was like right. Tuesday night and I was in the parking lot and they had that champions dinner thing for the PGA guys. And so I was just kind of milling around and outlawed front door walks, uh, tiger and John Daly and John Daly's girlfriend and maybe Mickelson and David Toms. And they're all kind of just like walking, towards the cars and I'm standing there and, and, you know, sort of tiger kind of peeled off and I went up to him and I just said, hi to him and introduced myself. And he said, Oh, who are you working for? And I said, I Kevin Chapel this week, but he's 10th alter. And he goes, Oh, well, Hey, you know, John Daly got in, you know, one time it's 10th alternate, and I said, yeah, you're right. And I said, hey, I just want to introduce myself, and, and here's my number if you need anything. And I never heard from him, and, and obviously, I mean, gosh, you know, you can't hire anybody better than you, and it was probably already a done deal before that. But I, I thought I'd throw my name in the hat, so that's my, my, my run-in with him, you know, 10 years ago.
0: Why wouldn't you? I mean, you got nothing to lose, right?
1: Right. Yep.
0: You, can't win, you can't win if you don't play like the old old thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to shoot your shot. But yeah, so. you got
0: to give it a shot for sure.
1: Yeah. So then tell me when you first got on his bag, what was that like from being in his group, being paired with him to now being on his bag? You know, what, what did you notice?
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing I noticed was how low maintenance the guy is. You know, I thought to myself, you know, geez, it's Tiger Woods. He's going to have a million people around, so on and so forth. Basically, he had a golf coach that wasn't there all the time. You know, his agent, Mark Steinberg who's an incredible agent, but stayed out of his business for the most part. So a lot of times it was just him and I kind of hanging out, doing our golf thing and stuff like that. You know, I, I would, I would, you know, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I wasn't nervous starting off, um, you know, because it's Tiger Woods, right? You always want to do a good job and make sure you're doing your, all the things correct and whatever. So, I mean, you're going to make mistakes hundred percent, but you know, maybe I was overprepared the first couple of tournaments. I don't know, but I was very nervous and very anxious and then those two things struck out to me. Number one, that he was low maintenance and the fact that he never, ever came back to me once. And I probably worked, I don't know, 10 years, but I probably only worked 100, 110 tournaments for the guy. Not one time in those 100 tournaments they ever say to me, you know, you got the win wrong, you got bad read, stuff like that. Almost, almost to the point where it was too nice because <laughs> if he missed the putt, I would say, all right, what happened? Because, you know, you're standing off to the side as a caddy, so you're not right behind him. So you can't really see what the putt does um and he will say you know i pulled it or i pushed it and i'm usually watching the stroke he he very seldom pulls or pushes a putt so almost like being too nice like he wouldn't tell me the read was wrong and i said stop being so nice i said i kind of want to know for next time more than anything
1: Uh i don't
0: want to know if i was right or wrong necessarily i just want to know for next time so um you know takes ownership of everything incredible to work for for those 100 tournaments in those 10 years and and took great care of me but again I'm, i'm rambling on but I was anxious, but it took me two or three tournaments to settle in and realize, listen, we're going to get along great here. Quick, funny story. I think it was the end of 2011. He played the Fry's tournament. And for the first 13 or 14 holes, you know, I wasn't in the game at all, which was fine. I thought, you know, even for two rounds, I was happy to just not do anything and just kind of watch and absorb it all. And we get to a par three on the back. I don't remember, 14, 15, somewhere in that area. And we had like 176 yards to the hole, and it was like a two-tier green. And I think we had like 170 on top and then six more to the pin and so i give him all the numbers and he hadn't really asked me anything all day so it kind of caught me off guard although i think i was ready he said to me can i get seven iron there and i said you can get it to the top you can get up on top but you can't get it to the hole and so he has this beautiful little tight draw you know 10 feet right of the hole pin high beautiful shot and he just kind of gave me a look without saying anything as if to say don't ever tell me I can't do something. And, you know, I got that look and I thought it was great. It's like, you know what? I'm almost going to show off here. So mm-hmm. wait. So about four minutes later, we walk up to the green and the ball is barely short of pin high. So I look at him. I said, well, it's not pin high. And he, <laughs> and he, and he, and he smiled at me. So I knew, you know, it's almost like I'm one day in and I'm giving him a hard time. After he gave me a hard time, he smiles. It was like one of those things right away. We clicked and we knew we were going to be able to get along very well and give each other a hard time, which we, we still do to this day.
1: Well, yeah, that was what I was, my next question was going to be, actually, was just about his sense of humor. And we kind of hear stories about that, uh, you know, w- when things are reported. But, you know, you're on the bag there. You're inside the ropes with him. What can you say about his sense of humor uh, and mo- people maybe don't know?
0: You know, the same as mine, kind of a dry sense of humor, you know, likes to give the needle a little bit, stuff like that. Not afraid to smile and laugh. You know, the thing with Tiger is, you know, he's got to have that guard up, right? I mean, who can you trust? Who do you not trust? I felt like early on he trusted me. You know, he knows I'm going to take things to my grave and never tell anybody anything that I shouldn't tell. Um, So I felt like that trust factor was there right away. Um, And like I said, I mean, you get him in a setting where he knows the people, can trust the people, he can let loose a little bit and have a little bit of fun. People don't see that, which is fine. I mean, that's that's unfortunately the life that he has to live. But uh, when you get him behind the scenes and, and get him a little bit loose, it's a lot of fun to be around
1: yeah um so I was scrolling yesterday Jack Nicholas did an interview with uh, Rich Lerner um and it was a good it was a good interview and 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 you know Rich kind of talked to him about his major record and then we kind of brought up Tigers and and Jack basically said you know he felt bad for Tiger that he got injured and stuff but that he kind of felt good about his number at 18 that tiger probably wasn't going to catch that. And I know back in 2016, tiger kind of said to Charlie Rose on his show, he was like, Hey, you know, I, I think I'm going to get there. And a lot of things have happened since then. And, and I guess, what are your thoughts on just uh, where he is now and the possibility of even like tying uh, tying Jack and then just how that felt to be a part of him getting to number 15.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can never write off Tiger, right? People have tried to do that for the last five, eight years now, and that hasn't worked out for those people that wrote him off. Is it a tall task? Sure. He's 48 years old, obviously a ton of injuries. I do know he's a lot healthier than he was, say, six months ago. Uh, So never say never. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I wouldn't be surprised or shocked either Mm -hmm. if he won another one and maybe got to 18. I don't know. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: And, you know, he's the kind of guy where he can still hit all the shots, He's still long enough. Um, He can still putt like there's no tomorrow. So could it happen? Sure. I don't Mm -hmm. know what the odds would be, but I certainly wouldn't write the guy off. And then to be a part of the Masters win, his 15th major, you know, for me, was incredible. You know, I mean, as as a caddy, you know, you're you're fortunate enough to win any tournament with your guy. Um, And then obviously a major on top of it. And then if you had to pick one for me anyways, it would probably be Augusta or the British Open. So uh, to sit there and say you win with Tiger Woods, who, you know, is one of the two or – the greatest player of all time incredible moment for me yeah
1: yeah yeah and and previous to that i mean that was an iconic moment on its own i mean because it was just so emotional for everybody you know because we were just everybody was rooting for him that we we're in the golf world and and you could tell how much it meant to him it was at a different tiger woods than maybe we were used to 10 years prior um but before that that tour championship win happened in atlanta you know when the people are like falling behind you guys up the 18th and all that uh does augusta happen that next spring if the tour championship doesn't how much did that impact that
0: you know that's a great question um i've never really thought it that way i mean obviously you know tiger played great that entire year he made made that nice run at the pga and almost ran down brooks uh made a nice run on sunday at the british open So, you know, we got to the tour championship, you know, he was running out of chances and if you don't win there, you feel like you had a pretty disappointing year, even though you had a pretty solid year because you didn't get breakthrough and get into the winner's circle. So I knew it was in the back of his mind that he just wanted to win a tournament. It didn't matter which one, obviously it came down to the tour championship. You know, everyone remembers what happened on 18 incredible moment. Uh, You know, I think Tiger won from start to finish, uh, which he's done many a times, but you know, as a caddy, not work for guys that do it that often. So that was kind of a little fun side note. Um, But, yeah, obviously that gives you a ton of confidence going into the offseason and into the following season. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he didn't play that much early on in 2019 because he never does. Um, So I was a little leery of the fact that he hadn't played that much. And he played decent, but I didn't think he had enough reps to be sharp enough and ready enough to win at Augusta. But then we got to the match play, and I saw his game start to come around. There was a stretch, I think, on Friday of about – 27 holes where he might have made like 10 or 12 birdies you could see his game was coming on and was coming on and coming on. And then I always look back to the fact that we lost Saturday afternoon to get to the final four on Sunday. Um, But looking back, it was almost a blessing because I think if he plays 36 on Saturday and 36 on Sunday, which you have to on Sunday, even if you lose your morning match, it might've been trouble for him from a physical standpoint, getting ready for Augusta um Still disappointed as can be on that Saturday afternoon, but I saw him hitting shots on the range, getting ready for rounds, and then he would take a little bit of time. He couldn't practice a lot because of injuries, but he took a little bit of time after each round that week and went to the range. And you could see he was hitting shots. You could see he was hitting three or four three woods and rehearsing for the shot he had to hit on ten or the shot he had to hit on thirteen, stuff like that. So I knew he was gearing up for that on that range and pulling those shots off. And that's when I kind of got excited. I said, "Okay." Not only do I think he's ready physically, but I think mentally now he's in the game, getting ready for Augusta.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I had a, I opened up some questions to a couple friends of mine or people on Twitter and stuff, and and one that I thought was kind of interesting was and you're talking about being on the range and watching him and stuff. What were those off weeks and off days like when you maybe would go down to Florida to, to be with him to get ready for a tournament? Um, when you're kind of away from the limelight, away from the crowds, and 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 what were those like? And then. What's he trying to figure out in his game before he leaves for a tournament?
0: You know, I'll start with the fact that he's in the gym a lot, right? He's trying to get ready for rounds, trying to get stronger, trying to rehab and stuff like that. So I don't think people appreciate how much he had to do before a round. Even, even if we were just going to go out to medals and hit balls or maybe play nine holes, he had to go through a lot in the gym just to get ready for that. Um, That's when it kind of dawned on me. You know, this guy's going through a lot just to get ready to play maybe nine holes. So, He'd always be in the gym early on, warming up, practicing, rehabbing, stuff like that. And then we'd go to medalist and we'd go to the backyard, uh, spend a lot of time in the backyard, chipping and putting, getting ready for tournaments. Um, and, you know, he he would rehearse things down there. Like he would make sure he warmed up for 45 minutes. Then maybe go putt for 10 minutes, just like he was doing in a real round. And then he would try to simulate a round. And, you know, when he's down at medalist, normally if he's just practicing and trying to get ready for a tournament, he may jump in a cart and stuff like that and play in two, two and a half hours. But, you know, we kind of make it our purpose to walk and simulate a round that we have Augustus so that he could be on his feet for five hours and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we would play with his buddy Rob just to slow the round down a little bit, stuff like that. So um, he was very aware of what he had to do the final week when he was practicing at home the, the week before.
1: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Rob there, and I had a question about that. I mean, uh, kind of can you categorize what Rob's and Tiger's relationship is like and how that maybe came to be or what it is currently. And then Rob was on the bag uh, kind of at, uh, at Tiger's tournament, I guess. And do you have any inkling on who Tiger might be, you know, if, if, if they're going to stay together for this upcoming season or a, any insights there?
0: Yeah. Rob, Rob, I think was with IMG way back in the day. And I think when Tiger broke from IMG, I think both Rob and Steiny left to go to work for Tiger. So Rob does, I call Rob, the everything guy, you know, he works in the office um does you know a lot of stuff contract stuff you know whatever it might whatever it takes for tiger he does like i said contract stuff you know golf course stuff day in and day out kind of stuff um and so he's also a very good college golfer accomplished golfer played in college so i think tiger pretty much plays every round of golf in florida with rob because mm-hmm. rob is sort of like a little bit of his eyes and swing consultant now he doesn't only really have a coach per se but he knows Tiger swing inside and out. Like I said, plays every round of golf with him. So he's there just to kind of like his eyes and ears for Tiger. And like I said, this is everything guy. Um, I think he – I talked to him after the Bahamas. He said he was a little worn out, but he had a great time caddy for him. I'm not sure what, what Tiger's going to do for, going forward caddy-wise. I'm sure Rob will be involved. may not be every tournament he plays, but I'm sure he's going to be available to work mm-hmm. if he needs him. That kind sure. of a thing.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, one other question that somebody had is, uh, and, and we'll move on a little bit. Um, w- uh, who or I'm sorry. What's the strangest thing tiger keeps in his golf bag?
0: You know, it's funny you say that. Cause people ask me that stuff. I I know he has old coins that his dad gave him. Yeah. And I think Fred actually was the same way, you know, maybe the 1920s or the thirties kind of coin. Um, so I, I, I think that's basically the only thing he's got two or three sandwiches in there, which I think they all do now, but nothing really strange. I mean, tiger was always great. If there was, if it wasn't going to rain, get rid of the umbrella, get rid of the rain gear. So we didn't have much in the bag.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And with, with Fred, it was always, he loved the chipped teas. So he'd have all his teas were chipped. Really? And yeah, you know, when you hit a shot, they chip a little bit, they chip a little bit. And then he got to the point where sometimes I wasn't sure the ball was going to stay on the (laughs) tee. But that's kind of what Fred loved to do. And I don't know if it was a less friction thing or not, but that's just what he did.
1: He liked to whittle away at him. Yeah, exactly. Um, Hey, I saw your son caddying last summer on the Corn Ferry Tour. Very nice kid. I, I walked a couple holes with him. Uh, in Colorado, I think, uh, what advice have you given him as he's gone out and started caddying and you, what's his plan to kind of start the year?
0: Yeah, I told him, I said, listen, you got to go out there. Like we talked when we first got on here, I said, you got to work really hard. Um, you know, walk the course as many times as you can, because you, every time you walk, you're going to find something different on there. Right. Um, and don't be afraid to hustle and work very hard. The other thing I told him is I said, listen, you got to stay very, very positive. You got to be loyal to your guy. I said, at times it can get frustrating. You know, like I worked a lot of years for Fred, where he hit it great, hit it great, hit it great, and you always feel like you didn't get enough out of the round. So I said, stay as positive you can, keep your guy positive, and again, work your butt off, and you got to earn it. And he's going back on the Corn Ferry Tour with Logan McAllister for okay. a second year, and try to, you know, try to figure it out and see if this is a what you want to do, uh, and b, you know, you know, meet some people. That's why you're out there, and again, just be nice to people.
1: For sure. Yeah. He's definitely yeah. doing that. Um, so then last time you and I caught up, it was kind of on the heels of the, uh, the father son. And, you know, you were out there catting for tiger and, and, uh, your son was catting for Charlie. Uh, and he just talked about how cool of an experience that was. And I think everybody loves watching tiger and Charlie and their mannerisms and stuff. Uh, a couple years later now, Charlie's a little bit older. He's a little bit bigger. His golf game's coming along. I guess, you know, like, like we said previously, we don't want to start here and making all these proclamations about him. He's certainly going to get some opportunities to play some golf. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you're seeing and the progress of his game from afar?
0: Yeah, you know, like you said, it's getting bigger. He's getting stronger. I think he's hitting it a legit 280, to 290, maybe 300 yards. He's 14 years old, a freshman in high school. So, like you said, it's, he's gaining great experience. You know, he's, he's got his dad is, you know, his eyes and ears and his teacher. Uh, I think he's, I think he's getting to that age where now he's kind of listening to his dad. You you go through that period where you don't want to listen to anybody. Right. Right. So now I think he's listening to his dad, which obviously will help. Um, Listen, like you said, I don't want to go crazy. He's 14 or 15 years old. He's a freshman in high school, but you know, the genes have been passed down. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. You know, the ball striking, like the old man drives it great. He actually probably drives it straighter than, than tiger. Um, It just hits everything so solid, which is what I'm impressed about. Yeah, he can hit a funky shot here and there. We all can. Right. But the fact that he makes such solid contact with every club in the bag, for the most part, every time he swings, that to me is amazing at that age. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think the fact that, you know, his dad will show him different shots and he's learning and listening to him now, I think the sky's the limit for the kid.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. Well, let's move on a little bit more maybe get a little bit of Freddy stuff and then some odds and ends. But uh, I was thinking about this too. I mean, you know, Freddie, Seattle, Washington, West coast guy, um, Tiger, you know, from SoCal West coast guy, Patrick Cantlay from SoCal West coast guy, yeah, even DJ spent a lot of time in SoCal and I'm sure you got some other names in there I don't know where uh, Greeny was from and stuff but here you are you're a New Jersey guy you're an East Coast guy you kind of say it how it is those guys are a little <laughs> bit more laid back How has that meshed well for you over the years that's a great
0: question you know you're right I do tell it like it is you know like it or not <laughs> um, and I think those guys appreciate that you know like you talked about Fred I mean He's cool, you know, just a cool cat kind of laid back strolling down the fairways. But I will say this about Fred. I mean, he's burning inside too. He wants to win just as much as the next guy. He may just not show it outwardly. Obviously, Tiger's the opposite. He's going to show his emotions, right? He's going to get fired up and, you know, good, better, different. You know, he doesn't throw clubs anymore, but he's going to let you know how he's feeling, right? And Dustin, you go back to Dustin, he's kind of laid back and stuff like that. So, I think the fact that you know, I I could use the word obnoxious, maybe, maybe I'm a little of that Northeast obnoxious or whatever, uh, you know, confident kind of person. I think maybe that's a good mix with the guys that I've worked for, you know, Pat, he's same way. He's kind of laid back as well too, but I mean, he's inside burning up, you know, very smart, intelligent guy. Always, you know, always thinking processing stuff, loves the information. Uh, You know, he's the new breed. I call him, you know, with the track man all the time and the high tech stuff and, the spin rate and all that kind of stuff so he's always doing that kind of stuff which i'm not used to that for my other guys so it's definitely a mixed bag you know as you as you work for different guys you kind of have to adapt to their personalities and vice versa but so Mm -hmm. far so good
1: yeah yeah all right well let's get a little bit of a take on i don't want to say live or everything but i mean sports are changing everywhere i mean look at college nil and everything's just really changing rapidly um you know, what's your take on the overall state of the professional game to start the year here? Like, let's just start where we are right now. And then are you optimistic that the golf fan that's sitting at home watching golf is going to be happy with things in the next year or two?
0: That's uh, obviously another great question. I'm, I'm on a couple threads, and most of my guys are golf guys. So I think they're watching the golf, especially, you know, I'm from the Northeast, so they're, they're looking to, for some good weather, just even yeah. if it's on TV, to watch golf. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think my guys are still tuning in. You know, I, I, we do talk. We go out and have a couple beers, and they say, what's going on with this guy or that guy? So, obviously, I think anyone that's a sports fan, like you said, would always want the best players playing at the same time, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious in any sport, and certainly with golf being an individual sport. You know, you want John Rahm and Dustin and Brooks and those guys competing against Pat and Shoffley and Scheffler and stuff like that. So, I would like to think that someday it's going to get all – when I say all resolved, it's going to be resolved to the fact where I think we're back playing together. The guy, all the great players in the world are playing at the same time. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Obviously it's a work in progress, but I think guys will, the guys, you know, at the top or in the front office, so to speak, will get it done and make it happen. Uh, but I think at the same, at the same time, I mean, you look back last week in Maui, I mean, Chris Kirk's a heck of a player. So hits, he's looking coming to into his own. So I think it was a good finish. You got Hovlin up there. You got Colin up there. Pat played well, X played well. Sheffler was in the mix for a while, so <clears throat> those there's still a lot of great names playing well on the PGA Tour. You may be missing a few names, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think people are not watching because of that.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's build the perfect golfer real quick. I got uh, the best driver, irons, wedges, short game, putting, and then six inches between the ears. And we'll just say you can't use the same guy twice. <laughs> um, who's the best driver that you've? Seen? Of all time, just that you've maybe been around or seen, you know, let's yeah, keep yeah, it yeah. you, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Best driver, um, I'm gonna say Fred Couples,
1: Freddy. That makes sense, and irons,
0: yeah. Tiger Woods. That's that's that's, that's easy,
1: okay. Uh, what about wedges?
0: Well, uh, you like when you say 120 130 yards, yeah, and wedges? yeah, yeah scoring, Steve, cards. Strick- Steve, Strick- Steve, Stricker. Steve
1: Stricker, gotcha. Okay, now short game, chipping and pitching and.
0: You know, not because I'm working for the guy, but Pat's got a great short game. I mean, when I say, you know, pitching and chipping, great imagination can hit all the shots. From what I've seen, it's been a small sample size, but he's fantastic.
1: Right. So then we got two here that you, you could, I think you could throw Tiger in, but I didn't let you. So right. if you could say putting and then six inches between the ears, a couple other names.
0: Yeah. Well, obviously it's, you made a good call. on not using a guy twice. So, uh, cause I would use Tiger for both of those uh, putting guy that i haven't used
1: uh there's a guy that comes to mind for both these i'd be curious to your take is is jordan spieth
0: yeah no i, I listen uh, when you mentioned that as soon as i said pat which i still want to say pat you know the pitching and everything else you know jordan spieth obviously you watch some of the shots he hits around the greens are incredible
1: mm-hmm, um
0: mm-hmm. so let's let's use jordan spieth uh, not that we have to use jordan spieth but, i mean for
1: putting because I mean the,
0: the guy the guy can make you know 30 40 footers and and clutch moments and he's not afraid of the moment. So let's mm-hmm. go with Jordan Spieth with the putting.
1: Mm-hmm. And then in between the years?
0: Uh in between the years. Uh let's see. Yeah, I, I always want to go with the newer guys because I, I love the young, newer guys. Let me go with uh, Xander Shawley.
1: Okay. I like that. Yep. New big yep. year incoming for Xander. Yep. Um what's your favorite caddy nickname of all time?
0: Wow uh wow that's a good one there are so many good ones let's see um wow uh i mean there's a guy i mean the guy is a great guy i don't know if he's still around uh uh, work with me larry
1: (laughs) work with me larry i haven't heard that one
0: yeah You know, he's just one of those guys, a great guy, old school, you know, very gruff. And, you know, his famous name was work, work with me a little bit here. So work with me, Larry.
1: (laughs) I like that. Uh, All right. And then, uh, should the Giants keep Daniel Jones as their quarterback?
0: You know, listen, I, I tell people all the time, I'm a believer in whoever's under center for the Giants, good, bad, or indifferent. I think Jones has got a ton of talent. You know, the offensive line is probably the weakest part of the team, unfortunately. And as you know, in the NFL, if you don't have lines, you can't win any games. Yeah. So I'd like to see him build a little better line around him and see what he's got. So I, I'm saying keep him.
1: Love it. All right. So yeah, I know you're on the Giants beat all the time. So, right. hey, Joe, thank you for taking some time this morning and your week off. Uh, we're looking forward to following Pat, you know, all year long and and just really appreciate all you've done for caddies and, and for the game over the years.
0: Always a pleasure, John. Thanks for having me on. We miss you out here.
1: Yes, I would like to get back out there. Hey, L.A., baby, if you hear of anybody, I'm uh, going to be y. out My eyes and ears open. You got it. Please do.
0: All right. Thanks, John.
1: See you soon. <laughs> A Heard at Sports Network production.